My name is Ross Anderson. I'm one of our teaching pastors here at Alpine Church. And uh, by the way, the fusion class, you're, if you're in the fusion group, you're dismissed to your class right now while the rest of us do this. And uh, we're in the series called The Pursuit. Okay, so Sally and I, we just we joined a gym recently this summer, okay, because now we're kind of semi-retired and we have a little more time and they had a great senior discount, you know, and all the things. Um, and so we're exploring all the different ways that, that the gym, all the things they have to offer and all the different, you know, things we could try out and do and stuff. But we realized pretty early on, after now a couple months, we're going, it's pretty obvious that it doesn't matter if we don't go, right? Then it's just a waste of, of time and money every day if we don't go. And so we're working on developing some habits that will benefit our physical health. Now, what we're talking about in the pursuit today, in today's message, I want you to think with me about some habits that will help develop our spiritual health. Okay, does that, does that make sense? And so, we're in pursuit week number nine. So, we're almost done with the pursuit. Thank you for hanging in there. Hopefully, it's been meaningful to you. There's 12 topics in the pursuit. We're only going to do 10 sermons because I'm going to tell you what happens to the other two topics in just a minute. But we're in number nine, and so we talked at the beginning about how we start the Christian life by trusting in Jesus, and what that means to entrust our life and our eternity to Him, and to, to meet the need of our sin. And then in the, in, in the more recent module that we're in, we're talking about how now that's only the starting point. That's not the finish line. That's the starting point of a whole new life that we now live to give honor to God. That's what the Christian life is all about, and so... Um, today, we're going to be looking at five key spiritual disciplines that will help us to grow in the life of living to honor God. So, we learned a couple weeks ago that baptism is a very, it's a great way to start. It's one of the first things we can do to honor God in our life. And then last week, we looked at some of the powerful resources that God has given us to live the Christian life, how he's given us the Holy Spirit, he's given us his word, the Bible, he's given us other Christians, his church, to empower us and to make it possible for us to actually live this whole new way. And today, we're going to look at these basic practices that really help us to experience those resources. As we learn to put these practices into our life in a consistent manner, then we, then we put ourselves in a position where we can connect more with the Holy Spirit and we learn more what the Bible's saying and we, and we have a re better relationships with other people. And so these are the habits that set us in the direction and that empower us to honor God in our lives. And so our key verse, um, <clears throat> our key verse in, this, in this message today 1 Timothy 4.8, he says, physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. He says, going to the gym is good, or whatever it is that you do to keep physically fit, taking your walk in the morning, whatever it is, is good. Keep doing that. But he says, there's a bigger picture. Someday the physical life that we live in this earth is going to be over, but our relationship with God is eternal. And so, we're going to look at these five basic habits today 
that, that help us to develop that relationship with God. And really, there, there are five things that really should be the norm for every single follower of Christ. So there's five of them. We don't have a lot of time, so we're going to get zipped through pretty quickly, give you an overview. There's a ton more that we could say about every one of these, but we want to, I want you to know that there are great resources at PursueGod.org, our resource website, that will give you more to think about, more to talk about, more to learn about for each one of these disciplines that we're going to talk about today. So, number one is a prayer. <clears throat> and so, prayer, what a great way to develop a relationship with God. Let's break it down into a couple things. So, we want to encourage you to make it a habit to talk to God in your life, to build a relationship. Because when, when prayer is really about building a relationship with this, this person, a divine person, for sure. But like with any other person, you develop that relationship by conversing, by talking, by sharing life and sharing uh, your thoughts and your heart together with this other person. And it's the same thing in relationship with God. So whatever you're doing, whatever it is, wherever it is you're going, whatever it is that's happening in your day or in your life, you're just talking about it with God all the time. It's a conversation. Now, what helps is to set a particular time and place to set apart some time that's focused for that every single day. Okay, so in Mark chapter, we get the example from Jesus in Mark chapter 1, verse 35. Before daybreak, the next morning, Jesus got up and he went out to an isolated place to pray. So the context here, if you read the whole chapter, Jesus was super busy. He had tons of demands on him. And you know, when that happens to me, you know, it happens pretty often in life to us. When that happens to me, my impulse is, man, I don't have time to pray. You with me? Jesus, his impulse was, I don't have time not to pray. And so he chose a place where he could go away to get up and be with God, an isolated place. And he chose a time where he wasn't going to get interrupted. He chose a time when other people weren't, you know, up and stirring around and demanding his time and stuff like that. And he made those choices because this was a priority for him to have this relationship with the Father. Now, there's other, other spiritual disciplines that we could talk about that are related to this. Disciplines of fasting and silence and solitude and slowing down of Sabbath and different ways. that really, What they all have in common is they're about creating space in our life to have conversation and intimacy with God. Okay, that's, that's the point here. So, so that's what prayer is all about. And I thought about, you know, it's a relationship, right, with God. I thought about, well, my relationship with Sally, sometimes we need to set aside time where we're just going to be together. It's just concentrated, focused time for us. And so later this week, we're going to go take a couple days and go up to Park City and just hang, and just for us, we're going to ride our bikes and we're going to, well, actually, we're probably going to stay indoors all day long. It's supposed to rain the whole weekend, but it's just for us. But also, the other side of it is that we just talk about everything all throughout the day when we're out doing an errand or doing some shopping or, or just doing chores. We're just talking about everything in life. And I thought that's exactly the way it's like, it is in our relationship with God. There's sometimes we want to set aside time just to be with Him where we're not interrupted. And there's other, the rest of it is just we're just hanging out with God all day long, no matter what's going on in our life. So, just one more thing about prayer. Just remember that 
prayer is about aligning your will with God's, not the other way around. Prayer is not about trying to get God to do what you want him to do. Now, a lot of times we approach prayer that way, right? God, if only you just see it my way. God, I'm going to try to educate you here right now. You know, to do this, this is really important. But no, it's about aligning our will with his will. And we see that in, again, the example of Jesus, how Jesus did this. In Mark chapter 14, Jesus is facing a terrible situation. He's headed for crucifixion the next day, and he's wrestling with that and all that that means. And he says, Abba, Father, Jesus cried out, everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me, yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Jesus asked God to to remove the suffering that he was about to face. But he didn't demand it. He wasn't manipulating God. It was all framed in this framework that, God, no, I want your will to be done in this situation, not mine. And so in Jesus' prayer, he's aligning himself with God's will. And that's how it works for us, too. And so, again, there's lots of tools about prayer. That's all we have time to say about prayer. So go go to PursueGod.org and and talk about it with with somebody in your life or look up some other uh, further resources to help you develop this important first habit of what a life that looks like that honors God. Now, the second one is Bible study. So we're going to take a look at Bible study. This is the, the, the next discipline is to not only to talk to God, but also to hear from Him and learn from Him. And that's where the Bible comes into play. Now, there's a couple of different ways to read the Bible. Okay, we can read it devotionally, That's when we read just for encouragement. We read it for it to warm our heart, for it to fill our soul. We read it like a love letter from God. We read the Bible to invite him to speak to the things that are happening in my life today, the things that are on my mind, on my heart today, the troubles and and the questions that I have today. So that we call that devotional reading. We can also read it for study, a deeper dive into study where we're asking more deeply what the Bible means. We may consult a a commentary or some kind of uh, resource to help us understand what it's saying, where we're connecting the dots between different passages in Scripture, where we're looking more deeply at the context of that passage to gain a deeper understanding of God's mind and God's will. Okay, so both of those are involved in the, the spiritual discipline of reading the Bible. We see an example in the book of Acts, the people of Berea were more open-minded than the people of Thessalonica, and they listened eagerly to Paul's message. They searched the scriptures day after day to see if Paul and Silas were teaching the truth. So these people, they studied the Bible. The Bible that they had was the Old Testament at that time. They studied the Bible in light of this new message that, that they were hearing, this new message about Jesus. They said, well, what, is the, what does the scriptures have to say about that? And you know what? Today... We are bombarded with messages from our culture all the time. We have so many voices saying, hey, this is true. Hey, believe this. Follow this. And I want to challenge you to search the Bible daily, the way that we've seen it in the Bereans, to see if what the politicians are saying is true, to see if what the, the social media influencers, what the authors, what the TV documentaries, to see if these voices, to see what they're saying, is it true? We learn that in the Bible. So if you're new to the Bible, uh, where do you start? Well, where's a good place to start? A lot of people think, man, I'm going to start in Genesis. I'm going to read through the whole Bible. And many, many people have, uh, have fallen 
of shipwrecked on the rocks, let's say, of Leviticus, right? Or the early parts of the Old Testament. So I don't really recommend that you just try to read the Bible straight through from cover to cover to begin with. Now, there's some benefits. Starting with Genesis could be a good thing. There's a lot of things that are set up there that are the, the, how, the beginning of things that help us understand the world that we live in. Uh, but don't try to just go through to, you know, cover to cover right away. You can do that later at some point. But another great place to start is the Gospel of John because you're going to then just be connected and exposed to Jesus. And that, that's a wonderful place to begin to be introduced to him. But uh, we recommend the Version app on your phone. If you don't have the Version app, it's a Bible app where there's a lot of great study plans that can help you through the book of Genesis or through the book of John or other books of the Bible or other topics that the Bible deals with. That would be a great place to start. But here's what I want you to understand, that we don't just read the Bible for information. It's about relationship. It's not, we don't read it like we read a news magazine or like, you, like you'd read a, a, a textbook or, a, or even a blog. We're not reading for information. We're reading for transformation. We're reading in God's presence. We're reading to meet Jesus and to connect with him and to build a relationship with him. So the most serious religious people of Jesus' day, they read the Bible a lot. But they missed the whole point. And so Jesus calls them out in, in John chapter 5. He says, you search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life. But the scriptures point to me. Yet you refuse to come to me to receive this life. See, these people wanted to know God. But they read right past Jesus. Because they came at this important spiritual discipline with the, totally the wrong attitude. And so they completely missed the point. They completely missed out. So that's prayer, Bible. Those are two great important spiritual disciplines that are going to help us grow in our connection and our relationship with God, our intimacy with Him, and to have a conversation with Him, to really know Him personally. And again, there's so much more that we could say about all of these, but now I want to begin to move into less private maybe disciplines we could say. Some other disciplines of the, of the spiritual life. The next one is connection. Connection. Think about what, the, what does it mean to be connected to other people who also love Jesus, to other people who are also wanting to honor God in their lives. Because the thing is, is that Christianity is it's really a team sport. It's really never meant to be a lived in isolation. It's really it's all about relationships. You don't have to read the New Testament for very long to find out that really relationships are such a key part of the Christian faith and the Christian life. And the fact is that we cannot honor God in our lives in isolation from others. Now, why is this a spiritual discipline? Well, like with all of them, they're, they're spiritual disciplines because they don't come naturally to us. They're things that we have to be intentional about. And so... By being intentional about it, then it becomes a, a practice that we can build into our lives. And this is one, in fact, that the Bible, uh, it, it emphasizes over and over and over again. Here's just one verse of, of, of dozens and dozens. He says, let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. He says, let's not neglect meeting together. I think a lot of contemporary Christians in America, neglect meeting together with other Christians. It's kind of like me and Jesus, and, and I don't need everybody else. That's such a, that's such a truncated version of the Christian faith. It, the Christian 
life is more than just you know, watching a service or something online for a few minutes or, or just showing up on Sunday and never connecting with anybody. The Bible says encourage each other, right? It's impossible to do that if you don't have any relationships with each other, right? So let me talk about three environments where we can connect with each other. The first one is the large group setting. That's what we're doing right now, this very minute in public worship. Now, public worship is not really a conducive to a lot of deep, intimate relationships. We come in, we talk in the lobby maybe, we talk in the, in the aisle, and then we go home. But the, the kind of relationship that does take place that's indispensable in public worship is a relationship of unity. Right? It's where we experience unity. Because we're all gathered here before God. We're all gathered under the teaching of his word. We're, we're all in this spirit of common worship and prayer. And we're singing praises to Jesus. I don't maybe know you, but we're together. Our hearts are, are together in that as we sing and, and pray together for him. Together we're witnessing when we come baptisms. Together as we are today to partaking of the Lord's Supper. And so there's this unity. It reminds us of who we are and what we're part of. And that's an important aspect of our connection with each other. But that's just the tip of the iceberg. Another environment that the New Testament talks about is a smaller group setting where and we, you know, we meet maybe weekly with an, another small group of people. Or we meet, you know, it could even happen on a serving team where you're connected more deeply. And you're sharing life at a level that can't really happen here on Sunday morning where you can go deeper, you can truly encourage each other, you can find ways to love each other and, and help each other out. And then the third setting is an individual setting where you have close friends that you talk to that encourage you or, or whether when you're involved in a mentoring relationship. We'll talk about that more in a moment. But there's one more element of connection that I want to share with you, and that is this element of spiritual gifts, connecting with our gifts. Because the Bible says that God gives every Christian some spiritual gifts to benefit the rest of us, right? So hopefully my gifts benefit you, your gifts benefit me, and it all helps us all grow into our, this life that honors God. So for example, 1 Peter chapter 4 puts it like this. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Now other passages in the New Testament identify this wide variety of gifts. Over 20 different spiritual gifts are named in the New Testament. But Peter gives us these two broad categories. That's a good place to start. He says some of you have gifts for speaking, and that could be in a public setting or it could be in an individual setting. So, for example, in kids' church, uses some people who have a gift for speaking as they, as they minister to children with their words and their content. And then he says there's this other broad category of gifts. He says some people are equipped for practical kinds of help, just for getting things done. And again, to use Kids Church as an example, because Pastor Jared brought it up this morning, there's other people who can serve in Kids Church in practical ways, just kind of helping do crowd control or, or helping with snacks and just different kinds of ways that, that create this team and this synergy of these different gifts working together, no matter what ministry it is. And so I want to encourage you, if you've never thought about this, to identify your spiritual gifts. 
But here's the thing. You don't have to be able to have, you don't have to be able to put a name to it in order to use it. You don't have to know the name of it in order to use it. Just jump in and start serving somewhere, and pretty soon God will direct you, and you'll start to see what the areas are that you're fruitful in. Those are the areas where he's gifted you. And then you can, people can give you input on that, and you, then you start you know, making choices in the future about where you serve in ways that maximize that fruitfulness because that's who your gifts are. So all of that, those are ways to connect. And connection, again, it's a spiritual discipline because it doesn't always come naturally, we have to be intentional about connecting with others in these different ways. Now, all of these take some commitment, don't they? But they also allow God's presence to unfold in our life, and they allow God's purpose to unfold through our lives in the lives of others. That's the point of the disciplines. That's no different with number four. Number four is the spiritual discipline of giving. Okay, so this is something, again, we got to be intentional about. It doesn't just happen naturally. And so, first of all, giving should be, I'm going to go through that list and kind of, I'm not going to read that because I'm going to touch on each one of those. But before I do, I want you to understand that, that giving, financial giving is a norm of the Christian life, but you can do it in ways that honor God. You can do it in ways that don't honor God. That's probably true about everything in life, Right? So I believe giving honors God if it's periodic. The Bible says set aside something on the first day of every week. Now, you don't have to do it just exactly that way, but there's a principle here. So I get paid, my whole life I've been paid monthly. And so we've always given monthly. The point is, is that it should be regular, it should be periodic. Why? Because that demonstrates your intentionality about honoring God in that way. It should be proportionate. The Bible says give as God has given to you. If God's blessed you with a lot, you give a lot. If God's blessed you with only a little bit right now in your life, you just give a little. And the easiest way to be proportionate is to, is to give a percentage, right? And then it should be a little bit painful. I, can't, I don't have time to go through all the Bible verses on all of these things. But Jesus talked about giving in a way that involves some kind of sacrifice on our part. That we want to give in ways that make us have to trust God. If I'm not trusting God, I'm not getting all the benefits uh, from this discipline. And I want to give in ways that, that, that will tend to break the power of money and wealth and materialism that it has in my heart. And that's, that's one of the benefits of doing it. This next one's a big one. I want to, I'm going to show you the verse on this because I want to touch on this. That, <clears throat> that The last thing on the screen right now, it says, Whenever, whatever you choose to give should be freely given. I want to camp on that for just a second because I know many of us have had, have had some negative experiences when it comes to churches and giving. And so it's really important to understand what the Bible has to say about this matter. So one thing we want to look at here is 2 Corinthians chapter 9. He says, you must, eat, you must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all you need, then you'll, have, then you'll always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. So the question is, how much should you give? Well, here's the answer right here. It's whatever you decide to give. That's a decision that's completely between you and God. Your decision, not my decision to tell you how much you should give. It's not a church's decision to tell you how much you should give. That's completely between you and God. Because it's a matter of the heart. 
right? So he, that's why he says, don't give reluctantly. Don't give under pressure. And that's why at Alpine Church, really our heart is we, we don't ever want to pressure you to give. Now, we want to teach you what the Bible says. If the Holy Spirit creates pressure, that's between you and God. But we're not going to ever lock the doors and turn up the heat. We're not going to try to manipulate you. We're not going to try to coerce you. You know, coming in, talking about giving is not a, a timeshare presentation, right? Why? Because, again, giving is a matter of the heart. And so God says, man, if, when you come to the place where you give cheerfully and it's your own accord and it's what you've decided and I've led you to do and you've heard from me, he says, man, I love that. I love that when your heart is that joyful and cheerful about it. And then in verse 8, of course, he promises, you know, there's always the question, well, if I give, will I have enough? And God says, look, look as you begin to do this, I'm going to make sure that you have enough. Not that you're going to have a yacht or an airplane or whatever, but you're going to have enough. Okay, so, so where should I give? Well, um, probably it's a good idea to give to your local church because this is your family. Together we can do great things. It's also a good idea to give to other Christian organizations and missionaries to give elsewhere outside of the local church. Sally and I give First Alpine Church because we believe in what God's doing here. But we also support a number of missionary families and ministry organizations. And for us, it's always that we try to be, it's always personal. It's people that we know, people that we believe in, or, you know, a work that we believe in. A lot of it is people who've had an impact in our lives or people that we've had an impact in their lives. And so, so we know God is working in their life. But the fact is, is that it, we, we want to do both, inside and outside the church. And so what I really want to do this morning is I want to encourage you to grow in your giving, to grow this. Again, it's something to be intentional about. And my suggestion is that you'd work toward a benchmark of 10%. Now, 10% is the tithe. And I don't believe that Christians are required to tithe in the Bible. I think that's part of the old covenant, that Jesus has fulfilled the old covenant. So we're no longer under the regulations of the old covenant system, under the law of Moses. So we're not required to tithe. But I bring this up because I think it's a pr pretty good rule of thumb, at least a starting point. Of course, you don't have to be limited to the tithe. There's a 10%. I've had times in my life, there was a time when I was single, after my first wife passed away, where I didn't have a house payment. I didn't have a car payment. I was able to live pretty simply. And so um, it was a very unique time in my life. So I was able, at that point in time, God blessed me, I could give way more than 10%. And I still had plenty for all of my needs. Now, I'm not in that situation quite the same as I was then. So it, it's going to be, again, back to that principle of, of you get to decide as God leads you what you're going to give. But it was a joy to do it. It was a large amount of money for my income at the time. But it was a joy to do it because I, I loved the people and I loved the ministries that I was able to participate in. I loved being part of the legacy, part of the work that they were accomplishing in different ways around the world. And so, in 2 Corinthians, <clears throat> to sum it up, the Apostle Paul says to them, since you excel in so many ways, in your faith, your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, your love for us, I want you to excel also in this gracious act of giving. He says, man, you guys got so many things going for you. We could say that about Alpine Church West Haven campus. There's so many awesome things going on here. 
He says to them, look, I want you to also excel in this, in this part of your Christian life, to honor God in this way. So really the question for you is, how can you grow to a place where you can say, yes, I have learned to excel in the gracious act of giving? Again, it's between you and God. But as you make that a habit, a discipline in your life, your whole relationship with material goods is going to be transformed. It's so freeing to experience that. And you're going to have so much joy over the changed lives and the work of God that he's doing that you have an opportunity to be a part of. So I said to him, we're going to talk about five disciplines. We've got four, one more to go. Five, that's a lot for me to ask you to think about today. And so as we start the fifth one, it's a short one, but I just want to ask you to ask the Holy Spirit to point out just one area, one area in your life that he would like you to take a next step of faith, that he would nudge you to address today. And maybe it's this last habit, the habit of mentoring. The habit of mentoring. Now, Jesus simply called it disciple-making, right? And it's where you personally help someone else pursue God in their life. Now, we're going to dig in deeper on that next week. And... Um, and in the workshop that I'm going to mention, we have a workshop coming up next Sunday that's going to really take this on. But it's, it stems from what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 28. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the very end of the age. So Jesus says, go make disciples. Again, it's a discipline because it takes an intentional decision on our part. Say, yes, I'm going to do that. Oh, and I better have a plan and figure out how I'm going to get from where I am now to where that can happen in my life. But it's a practice that God uses to work in us and to work through us as well. Um, and so, you know, we, we see these disciplines. The first ones are about drawing near to him and getting connected and being closely in relationship with him. But this is one about being actively engaged in God's work to make an eternal difference in the lives of others. Now, historically, this is a practice that a lot of Christians have missed out on because historically, Christians have been content to just let pastors and priests do the work. For centuries, you know, the average Christian didn't even have a Bible. And if they had a Bible, they probably couldn't read it anyway because literacy was not very high. But we don't have any excuse like that today. All of us have this privilege of being able to be used by God to change somebody else's life forever. <clears throat> the problem is, is that most people don't know how to do it. And so that's why we're passionate at Alpine Church about helping you succeed at doing it. That's why we've created all of the resources at PursueGod.org. That's why we're doing the pursuit together. The pursuit is our core curriculum for, for training up a disciple the way Jesus commanded us to do. And, and we're doing it together to, so that you can see how possible it is. And you can also see what an impact it can have. But this is also why we're doing the Mentors in Training Workshop next Sunday, okay? So that's what takes the place of pursuit number 11 and pursuit number 12 in our sermon series. We're going to end with pursuit number 10 next week because those last two topics are so practical 
that we thought they don't really lend themselves to a sermon. They lend themselves better to a sit-down at a workshop where we can talk and you can dig in and, and look at all the practical ins and outs, the nuts and bolts of, of how it really happens. And so, man, I, I hope to see you guys just pack this place next Sunday afternoon. You can see the details on the screen. Um, make plans in advance to come back, come get your lunch, come back, but lunch is provided. So, so if you're in the first service, come back for the second um, because this is where it's going to really, the rubber hits the road and you're going to really learn how to do the things that we've been talking about that really are the marks of a fully mature disciple of Jesus. So let me close with this, 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 this final thought. I'm not interested at all in laying another have to or ought to on you today. Not at all. I'm not interested at all of creating another checklist of what you have to do to be a worthy Christian or what you have to do to meet the expectations of your pastor or your church or whatever. Not interested at all in that. I'm interested in these spiritual habits because they're given to us by God to enrich our lives. They're given to us as a blessing, not a burden. And if doing these things has been a burden for you, I'm just going to tell you, quit doing them. Just stop it, right? Because they're not designed for that. And, and you need to have a, maybe have an opportunity to have a reset and approach some of these things from a completely different perspective to see what God's going to do. Because some of these disciplines are going to unlock God's presence in your life and give you an opportunity to develop greater intimacy with Him. Some of these disciplines are going to unlock God's activity in your life. So connecting, you're going to see how God can use you to support and encourage other people as you, as you connect in relationships with them. With this giving, you're going to be able to have a role in some amazing things that God is doing here at Alpine Church and even around the world. And when it comes to mentoring, you're going to have the opportunity to see God work through you to grow people in ways that matter eternally. And so again, what is God leading you to embrace today? Just one thing. Just choose one thing. Don't do five things. And maybe one thing, even one element of one thing today. Maybe some area where you've been holding back from God. Or maybe some area where you say, man, that's the area where I really want to grow. Or maybe it's just whatever the Holy Spirit is nudging in your heart right now then just start with just that one thing today. And we're going to take communion. And as we do that in just a moment, that is a great opportunity as we remember what Jesus has done for us. That's a great opportunity to ask God, to talk to God about this, to ask Him, God, what do you want me to do next to grow in my faith? What do you want me to do next to embrace these disciplines so I can know you better, see you work in my life? And God, it's a great opportunity as we take communion and worship to draw on his power and his strength to really make that happen in your life. So I just wanted to encourage you to choose something today and then stick with it. And if you do, you'll see the result. How gratifying is it, right, when you develop a positive habit and it pays off in your life. Maybe you lost some weight or you started to get in shape or your finances got better. Whatever that habit was and you see it start to change your life, how gratifying that is, right? But listen, there's nothing more gratifying than what happens in relationship with God through the spiritual habits that we're talking about today. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for giving us ways to know you better, for giving us ways to see you work in our lives. 
thank you, God. We pray that you'd nudge us by your spirit. I don't want to just jump off and start doing a bunch of things and trying a bunch of things in my own strength and power and Father. So we're really asking you to lead, to lead each one of us into that one thing that you want to do next in our lives. That one next step might have to do with giving. It might have to do with connecting, prayer, reading our Bible. It might have to do with mentoring. So, Father, I know many of us are going to come to that workshop next Sunday. Pray you'd work in that, God. But just nudge us with that one thing, and we look to you and to your power. We look to to, to, to your grace, to what you've done in our lives. God, we want to say yes to you, whatever you're calling us to do today. We want to say yes to, to you. And we pray it in Jesus' name for his honor and glory. Amen.